this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. Chris, it's so good to see you back, that you are not a victim of a serial killer. I know this is the time of year you like to go out camping, Labor Day. So you know oh, what? Gosh. We know they've invented indoor climate-controlled areas and comfortable beds. <laughs> Why do that when I can go sleep out on the hard, rocky terrain? Uh, but hey, you did not get killed. So did you see any serial killers? Uh, outside of my wife, no. Not at all. <laughs> just just her. Heard. Just her making There's plans. A new story on that. You guys have to sleep with one eye open, Chris. If you don't get any other advice yep. from me, take this advice. Watch your uh, life insurance. I- I'm just saying. Always, always, always. It's called motive, and so you just want to be careful. I'm giving too much, <laughs> put, too much motive out there. But hey, Chris, I know you and I are both extremely giddy because this is the time of year for football. We need some. You know, Monday night That's music, right. Monday night football music, or something like Sunday night music. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. Because yep. it's football season. And mm-hmm. we finally, it rea- this it was the original reality TV series, the football season. Yeah. It's real stuff. It's not fake. You can lose your money on it and gamble. It's that real. I don't know. Do, do they do gambling with like Big Brother? I, I don't even know the different reality based TV shows. Do, does Vegas have a gambling I, line on who's going to win? Vegas has a gambling line on everything. I was in Vegas like two weeks ago, and there was a gambling line on. It was I wanted to say it was like the the Doxin world's fastest Doxin races that we're having in California, where they have like fifty Doxin and they just release them, and you can bet on which one's the fastest and the slowest Dox. It, there you and go. And they had a pancake eating contest. They had a line on. Come there you on. go. Like it, so, I'm yeah, sure they can anything. bet on Big Brother or whatever reality TV oh, yeah. shows out Survivor, there. Survivor, all hey, that. Jazz. Football is back, and so this is the time of year right. I am going to get in my best of shape because I got an elliptical now right in front <laughs> of my TV. So there's no reason why Ooh. I should not be working out while my Chiefs are, are dominating. So hey, more on that later. We're going to talk about a lot of football today. But let's first, let's cover some of the stuff that's going on in the world of law because a lot has been going on since we've last podcasted. Uh, now, yeah. we'll just put this out there. We don't have time today to cover uh, the Donald Trump legal saga because we don't. We, we try to keep this to one hour and we, we have we've yeah. other things to there's do. And there's just almost too there's much to cover when it comes to Donald Trump's right. legal saga. I will say this one thing, Chris, before I move on. I would hate to have his legal bill. I mean, wow. Oh Four cases going on at the exact same time. How are, they, yeah. how are you going to have four different cases going on that is one huge legal bill that he is not going to pay? Oh, yeah. So, all right. Hey. I, you said it. I, I'm not even I would not want to, I'm just, I would not want to be his lawyer. Now, I think I've come up with a right. winning argument for Donald Trump's lawyers. Hey, I, give me a call. I guess. I'll give you a right. couple hours because it'd be kind of fun. But um, no, he doesn't pay his legal bills. What? Nope. I, I'm not going to take that case pro bono. No, because you're looking at, well, you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Yes. Just in legal right. fees. Yeah. Just in one case. These, just in one These Rico are not case. small cases. These are cases that will require around-the-clock nope. work by several partner-level attorneys, mm-hmm. and not to mention the entire associate staff. So these are, these are huge cases. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I would not want to see that legal bill. Speaking of pro bono work, let's jump over to... Alec Murdoch. Now, again, I I, I was in South Carolina when this trial was going on, and they told me, Joel, do not be like the rest of the United States who don't know how to pronounce this name correctly. It's a hard K sound. It's Alec Murdoch. 
I have heard mm-hmm. it on national TV many different ways. So maybe, I don't think there's one right. way to say it. If I say Alex Murdo, we, we all know who I'm gonna, who I'm talking about. But I'm right. gonna try to say Alec Murdoch. And uh, there was a bombshell allegation this last week. Crazy allegation. So his yesterday. lawyers have filed. Let's see. His lawyers are a Dick Harpulian. Uh, I can never say his, his name correctly. Yeah, solid pronunciation of that yeah, name. And Jim Griffin, they filed this bombshell of a motion for a new trial yeah. alleging all kind of misconduct by the court clerk. And and this is not just... Yeah, insane. At the, at the outset, let me just get this out of the way. This is not one of these trivial motions for new trial that you file because you're trying to turn a file and bill an hour. This, If you right. read this motion, which I did, this has a lot of teeth mm-hmm. to it. If these things are true, he's right. going to get a new trial. If they're not true, then someone's lying because these are bombshell allegations and I don't right. think these lawyers right. are lying. Right. Uh, maybe there's somewhere in the middle. So Chris, let's just start off. Have you ever yeah. seen in a criminal case a motion for a new trial succeed? Yes. A okay. couple of times. A couple of times. But mainly because it was egregious errors by um, things that came to light after the trial had ended, right? We found out some things, um, the police conduct or conduct of the prosecuting attorney that were pretty egregious um, that allowed for a new trial. I have never seen it from this specific area where it was court staff okay. that acted egregiously. That's That was the new one on me that, that a member of the courts were the ones that are going to cause this new trial, not defense or police or anything to that effect. So what happened here was they they, they alleged, uh, you know, um, uh, Murdoch's mm-hmm. attorneys alleged they filed a bombshell motion with uh, with the South Carolina Court of Appeals Tuesday morning demanding yep. a new trial on the basis of alleged jury tampering by Colleton County yeah. Clerk of Court Becky Hill. And so we all remember who Which Becky crazy. Hill was. If you watch the final verdict, she's yeah. the one up there reading all of the charges before the um, yep. um, the verdict was announced. Uh, in fact, she actually announced the, the verdict. But this is what was mm-hmm. alleged that she did. Basically, she, she um, did a lot of, made a lot of statements and comments to the jurors saying, look, we, we all know he's guilty. Uh, don't he, He's going to be lying. Watch out for him lying yep. uh, from the stand. Uh, and so yeah. this is the, these allegations uh. are so serious that Murdoch's attorneys also referred uh, Clerk Hill to the office of U.S. Attorney uh, Adair Ford Burroughs for potential criminal charges. So yeah. they didn't just file this motion. Well, you got to do that. You got to kind of do that. I guess. If you're going to also live. If you're going to drop the motion, you got to. You got to go the whole whole hundred yards. Think about this. Go the whole hundred yards. Think about this. This is a small county, very small yeah. county. Uh, we did the numbers in, uh, on our podcast, on our, our CLE on this. I forget the numbers now, but we're talking in the like, you know, 20,000 population range. I mean, we're, it's a very small yeah, yeah. It's town, not huge. right? Uh, and uh, in Hampton County. And so this court clerk. They know her. They deal with her on a regular basis. If you are going mm-hmm. to basically file criminal charges against this clerk, yeah. you're impacting your future ability to interact with this with this person and engage in law for right. the rest of your career. So this is not some just trivial allegation. You throw out there. You're trying to throw this lady in jail. That's a serious yep. allegation. There's got to be some teeth here. Yeah. yeah, you're blowing. I mean, small town law is so dependent upon cordial relationships. 
it's an adversarial process, right? Defense, prosecution, adversarial process. But man, you're going after the court clerk. You got to be prepared to to blow up your entire legal practice, because if you're wrong, and you blew up this court clerk for nothing, you're going to be persona non grata. Yes. Like, for you, you might as well pack up your firm and go. And, home. and so it's, they're not just taking off this this court clerk who does a lot of handling on filings and and controls right. how fast your case goes through dockets and things like that, mm-hmm. but also the the court likes this clerk they they hired her this is a yeah. small town they they mm-hmm. probably know her and her family and oh very interesting now you're trying well. to throw this person in jail because you're lying in, in other words my guess yeah. my, my here's my my point there's gotta be some truth here or else they're just not right. making these allegations just because they want to throw some kind of pleading together and file and ask for a new new trial there has to be something right. here well let's look at what this something is so the complaint alleged yeah. that uh the clerk hill uh, violated murdoch's constitutional right to a fair and impartial jury so chris True. that that is sacrosanct in our in our judicial system we mm-hmm. value that that jury when the jury goes back to deliberate the jury of your peers well the mm-hmm. people who are too stupid to get off jury duty. Hey, Chris, this, yeah. is, this is an aside. Ish. Have you seen the uh, Netflix special uh, Jury? Mm-hmm. I, I forget the name yeah. of it. I, I just butchered it. I, I short-circuited it. You know, what, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Where it's an yeah, actual yeah. jury where it, there's only they're all actors, but one person who is yeah. the four person for this jury did not realize it was uh, it was all a show. I thought too- it was... That's on. It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. There you go. It's not Netflix. So sorry to yeah. give Netflix love for that one. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. How dare it, it's you? It's all the same to yeah. me, man. I mean, I got. I got cut. <laughs> it's all the same streaming. I got services. cut out all the. I, I probably am paying for five streaming services. I don't even know that I get right now. Uh, but your kids do though. Your kids oh, yeah, we do. Cut them out. I was like, "Whoa, what's that?" I was watching that show. You know what? Pay for it yourself. Uh, but that being That's said, right. uh, that was a hilarious uh, bit on jury trials. Great and, show. And we, we probably show. should cover that at some future point in time. But back to <laughs> yeah. our point here: we hold the jury's decision sacrosanct. We we don't overturn it lightly here. So we are all entitled to a fair and impartial jury. And here they're alleging that what the clerk did denied. Alec Murdoch, a fair and impartial jury. Well, mm-hmm. what did this clerk do? The clerk of the court tampered with the jury by advising them not to believe Murdoch's testimony and other evidence mm-hmm. presented by the defense, pressuring them to reach a quick guilty verdict and even misrepresenting critical and material information to the trial judge in her campaign to remove a juror she believed to be favorable to the defense. To the defense. So these are some, uh, that's in summary of her other allegations. So let's dig in deep to what are the specifics here. So specifically the filing claim that Hill told jurors not to be misled by evidence presented in Murdoch's defense and not to be fooled by Murdoch's testimony in his own defense. Chris, what do you think about a clerk interjecting herself, telling the jurors, hey, don't be misled by his testimony? Isn't it kind of part and parcel of what the court's going to tell the jury as well? Like, hey, look, you got to evaluate this and make your own decision. Yeah, but it's different coming from a judge sitting there giving jury instructions, right? In an official capacity as a judge to say, this is my court. This is how you should operate versus what could only be the court clerk saying it in a casual conversation maybe in passing maybe in 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 
interactions with the jury member. Like, that's not your job, right? And th- and that's not your duty or your responsibility. The reason we tell the reason why I think the, the legal system allows the judge in the black muumuu to sit up there and give those instructions is so that way your constitutional rights are always being observed. Right. Whether what she said influenced any of the jury members, and let's be honest, we 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 dove deep into this trial, and his testimony was horrible. It was bad. His the evidence that they tried to present was also bad. Like it was it 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 was a hail mary. I kind of like this is also a hail mary. But the fact that she just told them that whether it influenced them or not, the fact that she was having those conversations that's the problematic function. Of, of so jury Hill allegedly point. instructed the jury to watch him, Murdoch, closely, to look at his actions yep. and to look at his movements. And they had an affidavit of one juror saying, look, this did influence me. I took this to mean that he was guilty. And I was on the fence as to whether or not he was guilty or not. And this helped to, to sway me in, in, that, in that one direction of, of being guilty. All right. So that... That's a new trial. Yeah. Like, that. that is literally the definition of a new trial is is right there whether that meets the the bar of her going to jail that's a different analysis right so you but you introduce that, this idea of, of it has to be prejudicial right it had to actually change the outcome mm-hmm. and here did it change the outcome with the person that was still voted guilty or not guilty it's only one again this is a criminal case so it just takes one person voting a guilty or not guilty right. and it's going to be a hung jury so it, right. it is difficult, but I, I, it gets worse because I think this next one actually is the more damning allegation. Yeah. This involves this, uh, the actions of this, of Hill to create, to maybe lie about a Facebook post. So here's what, here's what I'm talking about. There was this egg juror who's referred to as juror number 785. And so what happened was yep. there was an alleged Facebook post made by, yeah. I think, the juror 785's ex-husband that she got drunk and was talking about how she believed Murdoch to be not guilty. And so because mm-hmm. of this alleged Facebook post, um, they removed yep. this juror the day of the verdict. So yep. hold on, right there, we got an allegation that someone was going to vote not guilty and they removed that juror the day of the verdict. Right there, Chris, I'm going, Wow, that is that that's a huge where you the court actually removed someone who publicly said, I think this guy is not guilty, and then the verdict was in three hours guilty. To me, guilty. that that's yep. problematic. Well, it gets worse than that because this this juror seventeen five said, Look, I never posted that, I never did that. My ex husband never posted. Can you please show me this post? That post has never come forward. It, it, no one is no, no one is saying they did it. And the clerk is refusing to turn over this Facebook post. So if this clerk lied about this Facebook post and they removed this juror the day of the verdict, Chris, that has to be a new trial. Yeah. I mean, all of this is like great law school exam like stuff. Like this is this is what you, you sit around and you analyze when you're in class or when you teach about it, is these are Rarely do we get such clear and obvious cases of jury tampering and and grounds for a new trial. Like, clear as day. All right. And I think anybody in the room can agree to it, that if 
that if she can't produce the Facebook post or she made up the Facebook post or she did the Facebook post, that's clearly jury tampering. You got someone bounced from the jury because of your actions. So juror number 785 filed an affidavit that went along with this motion for new trial. And in this affidavit, Mm -hmm. juror 785 confirmed that she asked Hill to show her the original Facebook post, but she would not or could not show it to me. And, And so you might ask yourself, what's the motive here? Why would the clerk do this? Well, here's something that's interesting. All of these mm-hmm. jurors then were working on book deals. In fact, it's also alleged this clerk handed oh, yeah. out media Always. cards saying, hey, the media wants to talk oh, yeah. to you after this verdict. And so there was some of this. Uh, in fact, uh, Holly Miller claimed a juror told her that Hill passed out business cards from the media to jurors during their deliberations, saying the media would want to interview jurors at the end of the trial. And then, indeed, after the guilty verdict, Hill accompanied three jurors. So this this clerk, the county clerk, who's the subject of all this, accompanied three different jurors on a trip to New York City right after the trial for an exclusive appearance on NBC's Today Show. And her book, Behind the Doors of Justice, was just released on August 1st of 2023. Oh, yeah. So the theory is, look, they have book deals in works. They have media you know, yeah. arrangements. They all know they're going to be famous here. Oh, they're yeah. going to cash in. Now, Chris, I at one level, I don't buy this as a motive from the county clerk because there was not a motion to change, yeah. the, to change the venue here. This was going to be heard right. in front of this court. So the county clerk would have been the county mm-hmm. clerk for this trial or the next trial. So the fact that I right. don't really buy that as a motive. Now, maybe she really wanted to see Alex Murdoch thrown in jail i don't know i do think these particular jurors that did make a difference because if 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 there's a hung jury here then their story is pretty much worthless they had to come out with a guilty verdict for them to make money or not guilty it had to be a a final verdict for the jurors to actually make money on their book deals any thoughts on on the the media appearances you know playing into this uh, situation the dreamer in me Right, the the hopeless romantic in me wants me to think that the jurors aren't motive, motivated by media money and and all that jazz. The realist in me is this is a very rural county in South Carolina. It's not going to get news coverage. Everybody wants to be rich, no matter what you, no matter what is said. This is a golden ticket to a better life. Th- this is the lottery. Look at this some is of the, winning the lottery. Right. This is, and you look at a lot of these jurors, and not to 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 demonize or to, to, to downgrade people's lifestyles. But some of them live in trailers. Some of them live in very poor areas or unwell-kept or socioeconomically depressed areas. This is their ticket out. This is what they've waited for their entire life to be, a, to be out, to be on the, the Murdoch trial. And, I mean, this could, for them, could be generational yes. wealth, right? It could, it could r- rise up their entire family out of poverty. And so, yeah, I mean, that's got to play into it. Some, I mean, national media attention on Billy So, Billy Joe, Joe Byarski, who's, you know, was a waitress at the local diner her entire life where her mom was a waitress and her dad's a short order cook, all of a sudden getting a seven, eight figure deal to be an exclusive, you know, have somebody ghostwrite your story about being on the jury of the most like nationally televised scandalous murder trial of the, the you know, the 2020s. Yeah. 
Let's go. Let's get on that trial and let's find him guilty and let me get so my payday. So in review, we have affidavits, people under sworn testimony. They could be held liable right. for perjury and go to jail if they're lying, saying right. these things are what happened. Uh, the, the, this clerk yeah. went in and um, passed out jury cards. They pressured us. They told us that, hey, watch Murdoch. He is. Um, uh, mm -hmm. He might be lying. Watch his mannerisms. Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. And then allegedly she lied about a Facebook post that no one knows if it even exists to remove a juror, which would have caused us to be a hung jury at the end of the day. That's got to cause a lot of issues, even by the other jurors. And then, of course, you had this. This could have been dispositive on the outcome because it could have been a, a hung jury. So if these are true, that's what we're going to have now. We're going to have if. a little bit of an investigation. If. And if these are true, my prediction is there will be a new trial. So, Chris, I'm just going to throw right. this out there. I'm going to offer up some free legal advice, and you're welcome to join in or counter, uh, contradict me. Here is my free legal Hello. advice to uh, Harpootlian and, um, and the other lawyer. Change the venue. Get out of Hampton oh County. Gosh, you should have yes. done it the first time. I think it's borderline malpractice. You did not change the venue. I know you're saying right. where you know, the Netflix special is everywhere. No. Forget that. Get out of Hampton County. Mm -hmm. You can't get a fair trial in Hampton County. I I thoroughly agree with that, um, especially now, right? Maybe that first bite of the apple in the Murdoch name would have carried a little weight in Hampton County. People liked the Murdochs, right? They were like the, the Corleones of Hampton right. County. Um, but now, mm -mm. no, you're not going to – you, you got to go somewhere where there's a wider jury pool than 700. All right. Or 785. Moving on to our next story. And this one is, is a, I, I find this a very interesting story because I'm a dog oh, yeah. person. Chris, I know I you are dogs. a dog person. You actually have a real dog. I have a fake dog that's been well documented on this podcast. I got golden doodles and you have a pit yep. bull. And so kudos to you for actually owning a real dog. But that being said, she's not owned by us. She's part of our family. Oh all right, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> or her humans, not her oh owner. Oh, my God. All right, well, you know what? I, 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 I'm not sure. <laughs> and and all credibility just went right out the window. <laughs> I'm not sure my dogs agree with that. Uh, my dogs probably think it's the other way around. <laughs> they pretty much own me. They, um, oh, yeah, they're amazing true. how they pick up on just our little idiosyncrasies that we do throughout the day. These dogs... They, they kind of worship us. Like, I don't normally pick up my food on my plate with my hands. Do you, do you normally do that? Pick up my yeah, food. No, right. I usually use a utensil. Right, exactly. So when I do pick up my food from my hands, they know, oh, that's different. That means they're going to feed us. So they immediately come to me, jump right at my feet, and looking at me like, feed me now, feed me now. Because when I pick up my food from my hands, they uh -huh. know I'm going to turn and give them a bite of whatever is on my plate. And so I realized that a couple days ago Ooh. that, yeah, they, they're watching me like a hawk. And when I do anything differently, oh they want that treat. That being said, you and I both sure. have a soft spot for dogs. Well, dogs' Absolutely. actions are now before the United States Supreme Court. Now, again, this, this deals with a real issue. Chris, I am not making this up. You vouch for really me. Does. The issue before the yeah, United States really Supreme does. Court is, should, is Fido a bad dog? Because Fido will stop, won't stop jumping up on people or things. That's the issue. Thanks. Well, so th this specific case is Fido jumped onto a car, put its paws up on the, the, w the open window of the car and stuck his nose into the car and smelled drugs, alerted for drugs, which allowed the police then to toss the car and 
find the drugs. All right, let, let's, back, let, let's unpack what's going on here because that actually okay, yeah. is the issue. Is Fido, in this case, actually Nero, the police dog, is Nero, Nero a bad dog because Nero jumped up? And put his paws on on something. So here's what happened. He had a car driving down the street and decided to take a, mm-hmm. I think it was a left turn. The problem is the car yep. was in the far right lane, had to cross three lanes of traffic to take that left turn. And so that's not normally how things are done. And so sirens right. go on. And they pull. Created reasonable suspicion and probable cause for a stop. Yeah. You don't, you should not Just take saying. a left turn from the far right lane. We all, we all get that. So. Legally, yeah. when a car is being stopped lawfully, you are allowed, as the right. police, to take Fido out and do a, a free dog sniff, right? That, that's pretty clear law from right. the United States Supreme Court. You can detain someone long enough for Fido to do a quick uh, dog sniff. Now, what you cannot do, also a Supreme Court case, is you cannot hold up the stop beyond a reasonable time period to accomplish mm-hmm. the task of the stop. To bring in Fido from down the street, from the wherever Fido right. is located. Three towns yeah, over. You, you yeah. can't hold the person. But if during the normal course of a stop, if Fido jumps out of the car and does a, a sniff a sniff around the car, Fido is allowed to, to do that. Okay, so that's what happened here. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that Nero, the dog, smelled some drugs. Uh, I believe it's from a meth uh, lab, meth paraphernalia. They, mm-hmm. Fido or Nero smelled the drugs, got so excited, mm-hmm. put his paws up on the car window to say, there are the drugs right there. I'm a good boy. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine Nero right. probably is like smiling and panting and the tail is probably right. wagging. Look, I see the drugs. They're right there. I'm a good boy. Give me my right. treat. I got the drugs. I got the drugs. I got the drugs. I got the drugs. Yeah, know, exactly. Right. The problem is, is, is that putting the paw up on the door, is that a Fourth Amendment violation? Chris, that is the issue before the United States Supreme Court. I don't know. Who, whose yeah. side are you on on this one? Well, well, Joel, I'm squarely in the... Um, Fourth Amendment has a right to privacy camp. I am squarely in the um, – actually, I agree with the Idaho Supreme Court decision to toss the case that that Nero was not in a legally operative position and that him jumping on the car created a warrantless search in violation of the Fourth Amendment. Hold on. For a, for a plethora of reasons. No. That, that, plethora of reasons. Uh, oh, all right, yeah. well, let's unpack these here. And so the Fourth Amendment says do it. that let's no do it. search or seizure um, should be allowed but for a, a warrant. Uh, you have to have a warrant before you start searching mm-hmm. and seizing people's property. So you can't have an unreasonable search and seizure without a, a warrant. All right, so that, that's in the Fourth Amendment. Right. Why is that in the Fourth Amendment? That, that's the big issue. Well, why do we have I mean, the Fourth Amendment? I mean, historically? Yeah, yeah. If Scalia I mean, were alive and Scalia would, would, I'm sure Scalia would be a listener to our podcast. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Of course he would. But obviously, obviously well, with the amount of hero worship you give him, exactly. you got it. He's got it. Well, he would say, look, this is, the histor- this is the reason why we have the Fourth Amendment because of, and Scalia would say, the government is to protect citizens from the overreach of oppressive mm-hmm police action so in other words it's not right. to score convictions if the purpose of the fourth amendment was to allow for more convictions to be scored well then you wouldn't even have the fourth amendment you just let the government go rummaging right. through your private stuff no scalia said you have the which is why right that's the historical context right the the founding fathers the when they you know wrote the constitution back in 1789 
that was a big problem with Britain, right? They would just come into your home and they would toss it and they would look for contraband and they'd arrest you for any reason. Right. And so in you, you look at a lot of the papers that were written around it, the, the discussions around it, if you go back, Philadelphia does a great job. Big plug, big plug for Philadelphia. They do a big, big display about why each amendment was included in the Bill of okay. Rights. And they really hit the Fourth Amendment really hard about what the Founding Fathers really regarded as an intrinsic right to not have the government be in your business. So the Fourth Amendment's purposes was not to provide a procedural manner for police in how to score convictions. Right. It was, no, we got to protect right. citizens from oppressive government action, planting evidence, finding... You, you can, your imagination right. doesn't even have to run All wild to find out how the cops can abuse that, right? It's like, no, this is to protect yeah. the citizens from the overreach of government. Okay, but Chris, I don't... Let's just say I don't trust some law officers. I, I think some law officers out there might be overreached. Mm -hmm. I'm like Scalia, that there should be some protections there. I got to admit, I don't share those same concerns when it comes to Fido. I, I do think Fido would steal my sandwich. I don't right. trust my dogs when it comes to guarding my sandwich. But I don't think right. dogs are going to be planting evidence. So I don't. to me, I don't have the same Fourth Amendment concerns when it comes to, you know, preventing bad dogs from searching my cars as compared to, right. you know, some, some government officials overreaching. You get what I'm saying? Right. I do. But I also think that, and as someone who owns a pit bull, very much in the idea that there is no bad dogs, there's bad owners. Okay. Right. So I don't think that Nero was the one at fault. The one at fault is the officer that does not have Nero under control or trained well enough to not jump up on items or things or places or people. So I don't think that, that Nero is a bad dog. Um, Nero is the goodest boy that there is. All right. Um, the police officer, Nero's partner, needed to show restraint and needed to, to control Nero because they don't, it's not like you're normally walking a dog when you're doing a police circle of a car, right? right? You, the police don't have Nero on the retractable leash and Nero's off running around and chasing birds and doing all the things that dog owners here in Arizona allow their dogs to do. Full stop. I hate you. Um, they're on, they're on a short leash. They're on a six inch leash. They're right by the, the side. They're walking them around. They're, they're, they're directing them to smell in different areas. And that's how police training of, of canine officers go. They're the the human component of the partnership is in control and directing the dog where to look. So by allowing the dog, by allowing Nero the access to be able to jump up and get into the car and look in, that's on the officer. All right, right. That's not on. That's not on Nero. That's on the officer for bad handling of. I dog. agree with you, but on the facts as we understand them. Nero was allowed to walk around the car and Nero smelled drugs. Right. So Nero then jumped up in excitement to point out where the drugs are. I think it's possible right. that this Supreme court will say that's not an abuse of power. That's just Nero being no, a dog. Well, and so doing what dogs do, and there's less thought there of, of, of police abuse of power as you would have outside right. of the, the, the dog context. But right. that's the, like, like the cop looking in the car and like reaching under and like using one of his senses to like feel out the drugs that are under the seat and clearly not exactly. you know visible yeah. 
right? That's yeah. That's the Nero comparison. is not planting evidence this way. Nero is just doing what Nero has been trained mm -hmm. to do. And so I think this is going to be a fascinating case where I watch the Supreme Court and say, oh, deal with this. Fun. I have a feeling at the end of this day, you're going to get a shout out to canines and dogs. It's going to be a great day uh, for, <laughs> for doggy kind, I guess. I don't know. All right, Chris. Oh, for it sure. is now time for courtroom quarterback. That's why we're here. All right. I'm loving this. This is the best time of Get year. You've already kind of set the stage. I got my Kansas City Chiefs mug here. I got my Chiefs hat in the back. I have my Nebraska Cornhusker mm -hmm. uh, hat and a helmet in the back as well. Right I here. am just getting a Chris one, Bart Starr. Yeah, there's so much to talk about. What can we talk about? I guess let's start with the positive news before we get to some of the negative news. But let's just talk a lot of football. The first I love it. thing I want to talk about, Chris, is this. The Pac-12. The Pac-12 blew itself up. USC, UCLA said, we're out. We want to go to greener pastures, which is the Big Ten. Right. And so they blew up ASU, the Pac-12. U of A to follow. Right. Yeah. Huge mistake. Right. You, There's like six teams now, right? Six or seven teams in the Pac-12 no, no, now. Two. Only Oregon yeah. State and uh, Washington State are left. Everyone else has gone and found new homes. I am going to suggest that that was a bit premature and that all of these universities, I'm looking at you, you at UCLA and USC, you're the main culprit, so you really blew it up. Mm -hmm. You guys had a great thing going. Yeah, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Fix your own home, and it would have been much better off. But here's what I mean by that. Right now, after week one, the Pac-12 is undefeated. Undefeated. I'm not Absolutely. just talking about one team is undefeated. I'm telling you, the entire conference is undefeated after week one. All 12 teams won the first week of the season. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, apparently hasn't been done in many, many, many years. Uh, five ranked teams out of the, the Pac-12. By the way, the um, Big Ten mm -hmm. has three. So the maybe the Big Ten should be joining the Pac-12 here. I don't know what is the actual better conference, but whatever. The Pac-12 has five ranked teams, probably the most exciting of which is going to be Coach Prime, from the University of Colorado. Colorado. Chris, is that not a great story? Right. Deion Sanders coming to coach the Colorado Buffaloes? I, you know, there's so many things that I, I love about Deion Sanders and Coach Prime. Now, take 20 years ago, and I was not a Deion Sanders fan. Huh. When I was a kid and watching Deion play on the Cowboys after he left the, That's you know, true. after You're he a left 49ers the 49ers fan. Or, or, you know, Right, like watching Dion, like I, I wasn't, and and I grew up in the era that you know athletes shouldn't celebrate. And man, Dion Sanders, like I, I can go out on a limb and say that he was one of the pioneers of the you know high stepping into the end zone, doing the dance, prime like time. Dion, prime right, like Dion, like embodied all of that flair and flamboyance and all of that. That that you know the the entertainment aspect right. of it, and so and, and to watch Coach Prime leave the NFL right because he retired in the the early aughts, and then kind of fell off the map, 
right? He he was a family man. He he had his kids. He had he had DJ. Well, he you had say Chanda. he fell off the map. He also was a uh, an announcer and a announcer. Uh, commentator, right. and so he was also on ESPN. Right. And he, uh, but the, yeah, the talk. He was a talking right. head. I'll give you that because again, he's entertaining. Yes, right. Very entertaining. He he speaks well. He's eloquent. Um, the man doesn't swear either. Like that's the, like I've been watching the, um, I think it's the Amazon series about, um, about the documentary about coach prime and you watch like the, the hard knocks documentary, right? Where they're just like F this and F that and F this and blah, (laughs) blah, blah. Everybody's dropping the F-bombs. Right. Travis Kelsey (laughs) looking at you, bro. Um, but you get court, you get Coach Prime, and he's like, "Darn," and fiddlesticks, and you're like, and so you you learn, you know, you're watching Coach Prime be this this just role model right. to so many people, and you know him him going from Jackson State, where we all thought, and I shouldn't say we all, a lot of people thought like, "Oh, HBCU, Coach Prime, that seems like a good fit." You know, obviously he can succeed in the lower levels. Yeah, of the because HBCU he was bringing not- his own sons and their buddies who were yep. all five four-star talents, incredible, incredible Division One talents playing yep. in a lower-level league. And so, yeah, it's like, yes, you were right. winning at Jackson State because you had right. superior athletes. Insane talent. But that's when you get to the right. higher levels of Division One, it's going to be even out. Right. Maybe you won't be quite as good at that level. That, that was the prevailing thought. Right. It was. Until until they took on TCU. That was an amazing And game. now the prevailing thought is like, Coach Prime. Is, you know what it reminded me of? It was the moment in Remember the Titans where it's Denzel Washington going, we will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Yes. You drop the ball, you run a mile. You fumble the ball, you run a mile. Like that, that type of mentality is like what – Coach Prime reminds me. Let me, me just of. throw a, a stat by you and then give you my, my, my thoughts on it. Which, this is the most amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. stat from last week's uh, game between Colorado and TCU. So you got to remember, I'm a huge Nebraska yeah. fan. We're going to talk about the Colorado Nebraska game next, coming up next Let's week in just a bit. But first, I have suffered through five years of horrendous coaching. When I'm talking about you're watching the, your team you play have. and they make the you stupidest have. penalty and you just want to just slam your head against a, the wall going, why did you jump off sides? Do you not know the snap count? Why did you hit that person and target his head? Do you not nope. know that's a penalty nope. in today's day and age? I could not understand why our team made the dumbest of penalties over the last five years. All right, so get this about. This is the most impressive stat about Coach Prime, I, I think. Okay, so he, he has a roster of about 110 players there at the University of Colorado. Right. Of those 110, 85, 85 yep. are new players. 85. That is amazing. Transfer portal. Yeah, 85 Transfer of the 110 portal, are new players. I think only three starters remained from last year's team. Despite that, the new regime, the new players, the new right. system, only six penalties last week. Six. Right. They were perfect. That's an amazing coaching every job. Aspect. Yeah, if your team commits right. dumb penalties, just know it doesn't have to be that way. Coach Prime came in and by right. week one had the culture changed around. That is an amazing coaching mm-hmm. job, in my opinion. And I think that you can do that at a school like Colorado. I don't think and, and this is not a, a slide on Coach Prime. Please don't take it this way. But I don't think you could do that at a UCLA, at a 
USC at an Alabama or an Auburn or a Clemson or um, a Georgia. Like, I, I, you, Prime went in. And I think one of my favorite things about this whole thing is that Colorado said $26.6 million, That's what we're going to pay you, Coach Prime. We don't have the money, but we, we will find – like, if you build it, <laughs> right. we will come. Right. And, and, and they both took this chance, right? Colorado, Prime, let's do this. Let's take this chance. Let's do this full partnership. And the boosters came out. The fans came out. Colorado is sold out for the first time ever. <laughs> Every home game is sold out. It is, it right? is an amazing story. And so the, the, the entire Boulder community, Colorado, has embraced Coach Prime. And he comes walking out with those ridiculous cowboy hat, the white <laughs> cowboy hat. And I'm just like, Dion, br- Brother Sanders, yes. we, we're not doing the white hats today. But he comes up and he goes to the booster events and he goes to the rallies and he dances with the donors and he knows how to really get a show going. And then he goes and connects with these these young men in the locker room and, you know, gives these just heartfelt, genuine speeches about what you need to do and how you need to go and, and how to be a better player. And he cares about the safety of the players and he cares about the future of the players and he wants what's best for them. Yeah, does he have a huge ego? Absolutely. Absol- and it's well-earned. And, right. and I'm saying that. It's well-earned that he is that cocky of a game changer. But there changer. have been a lot of cocky game changer great former players that then flame out as coaches. He is the real right. real deal. And he, he's an amazing American success story of how everything that he has right. touched, everything that he has attempted – he has been immensely successful at. And I got to tell you, uh, I have a little bit of mixed feelings as we go into this next week because I am a huge it's gonna be hard for Nebraska Cornhusker fan. You Corners, Granted, can see my Nebraska helmet there yeah. in the background. And I, in my heart, and again, I don't know Deion Sanders. I didn't talk to him, but I'm almost certain <laughs> if Nebraska p- pursued Deion Sanders last year, he would have came and been our coach because he was trying to get the biggest job he could land. The Colorado job was there for the taking, but Colorado doesn't have the same program that Nebraska does. Nebraska still sells out. They've sold out every single home game since 1962, for crying out loud. They just had 92,000 fans come to a volleyball game. The fan base there is rabid. It's a, you know, five national championships. It is a storied program. I think if they had went after Prime times. So coach Prime, will you be our coach? He would have taken that chance. They did not pursue him. They pursued Matt Rule, who I think no. is a great coach. I think he's going to do great things for Nebraska. But this Great. week, you are going to see two different programs with brand new coaches, both coaching their second game. What's going to happen? I got to tell you, this is an amazing game. And Chris, I'm going to put my prediction right here. I don't know what the spread is. I'm sure Colorado is favored by several points. Take Nebraska straight up. And here is why I am saying that. Really? Yes, because in my hard hearts, I have to think the players there at Colorado have got to be a little bit high on themselves. They have to be. They have to be suffering from a little bit of overconfidence. Mm -hmm. How could they not be? They are college kids. They're on top of the world. Everyone is talking about how great they are. The best story ever. 
that, that I mean, it's a little bit of hyperbole, but you get the idea. This week, they have to play Nebraska, who just lost a nail-biter from too many stupid turnovers. I have, and, and Matt Rule is a good coach there at Nebraska. He is a good coach. I think he's mm-hmm. a great, great coach for Nebraska. We could have had Coach Prime, but whatever. We got Coach Rule, our choice. And um, yep. I, I have to think he's going to have his players ready to go uh, for this game. By the way, if you are a Big A fan, which I am a huge Big A fan, Let's cook some turkey this uh, upcoming Saturday. This is our Thanksgiving dinner Let's after ne- Oklahoma bailed on Nebraska. The Colorado-Nebraska yeah. game became the Thanksgiving day after game. And so, for myself, I'm going to have some turkey uh, this Saturday as I watch this game. A- any thoughts? So, I just looked up the uh, stat line for Vegas because I want to know. It's Colorado at three points. There you go. Take Nebraska. It is, it is not a spread. That that's, I mean, that's a really good argument. Colorado at three, like that's a field goal, <laughs> right. right? That's a, that's a, that's a, like if Colorado still wins by the extra point, or if Colorado wins by the field goal, you still win money. Okay. Take Nebraska straight up. So, that's a smart so, bet. The over under is sixty. Interesting. So my my head is saying, my head is saying, go with Colorado. They are the feel good story. Coach Prime's son is the starting quarterback. He's an amazing quarterback. He is he is great grace under pressure. Nebraska's quarterback threw three turnovers Mm -hmm. last week that were just mind numbingly stupid turnovers. What are you doing? Cut the guy. We don't have any backups. You can't cut him. Actually, we do have a backup. Uh, You might like our backup. Do you know who Nebraska's backup quarterback is? I do not. Purdy. Is it? You might recognize that name, Purdy. Is that name oh, ring Purdy's a bell? Oh, little brother. Yes. That's right. Yeah, Purdy's little brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he can do the same thing for Nebraska that your Ma- boy is Ooh. doing for um, uh, San Fran. San Francisco. So. QB1. QB1, baby. There you go. All right. Um, Who are you taking? You're, taking, I, you're it, taking Colorado, aren't you? I'm actually – I'm going to sit this one out. <laughs> I'm really not – The part nope, of, nope, part nope. of me I, is I'm that, putting you on the spot. That is not okay. an option. You gotta, you gotta pick. That's one. That's not an option. You gotta pick one. I'm gonna pick Nebraska. There you go. You're smart. I'm gonna pick You're Nebraska smart. to lose, but like <laughs> what? They're gonna. They're, you just had to rip my heart. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking them to lose. <laughs> I mean, they're still gonna lose. They're just they're you know they're not gonna lose by more than three. All right, all right. You you you, you, just, you had me there for a minute. I was excited, and then you just kind of rip my I heart. I pick you out. up and then I bring you back down. There you go. All right, totally rough. In. And there's there's one more aspect of the Coach Prime story, and we talked about it offline, and I really, really, really love this aspect, is Deion Sanders is probably the greatest American athlete of all times. Wow. Chris, that is a statement. And when you first said that statement, my thought was, I'm going to have you committed. I'm going to rip you to shreds here. Right. I don't know. It's wearing on me. It's wearing on me. I think you're making some solid points. I mean, it's he's a two-sport athlete. Now he's a coach. Got that. Um. Right, so when he was playing in the NFL, he moonlighted as a outfielder for the Atlanta Braves, small known ball club. He had a he had a two sixty five batting average for ten years with Atlanta. See, I think that's the deal. I mean, that's not Hall of Fame. That's not a Hall of Fame number. But when you couple that with his off season or his real job was sixteen games in the NFL, 
And he was on the Niners, and he was on the Cowboys in the 90s. Yes. So he was in the Super Bowl pretty much the entire 90s. Yes. And if so, my memory serves me right, he was pretty good on both sides of the ball. I know he was not primarily a receiver, but he yes. did line up as a receiver at right. times. He was obviously one of the best he quarterbacks did. in the history of the game, so you got that. Honestly, but one of the best. Let's go back yeah. to your argument of he's the best of all times. That, that's, a, that's a huge statement. It's mm-hmm. wearing on me, but that is. let's first start with when it comes to sports. And when it comes to sports, right. very, very few athletes are the best at whatever they do. I mean, if you can be the right. best at what you do, that's an amazing story. And he was probably one of the best, if not the best, cornerback of all time. It's kind right. of hard to come up with a better cornerback than primetime Deion Sanders. So you got that going for him. Right. On top of that, you add right. on this amazing feat that he was an extremely good baseball player. I think he is probably one of the few athletes, the only athlete, I think, to ever played in a World mm-hmm. Series game and the Super Bowl. And that's an amazing feat right there. In the same year. Wow. In the same year. Now, there has to be the honorable mention because there is no two-sport athlete without Bo Jackson. That that was my there, I My argument is Bo Jackson is right. the best out because – as much as you like Dion, I think Bo was going to be the greatest love running back of all time. And I he was Jackson. an all-star. He actually played in the all-star yep. game in Major League Baseball. And, Chris, he was the MVP of that all-star game. Started right. off with a home run. That is, he was at the top right. of his game. Right. Dion cannot say that. Right. The problem with Bo Jackson is he was cut down in his prime. Yes. And no pun intended with the word prime. Um, <laughs> and also, he was Bo not Jackson, murdered. He was not cut, mur- cut down like that. No, he was injured no, and suffered he a had, hip No, injury. he had an injury. Yes. In, hip injury. If Bo Jackson had not had that hip injury, it would be no question. No question. And Bo Jackson is a, an athlete through and through and through and through and through. He now does archery. There was a Netflix special on him. Um, the guy is the personification of athletes. Like, if he did not have that hip injury, he would be the first dual sport Hall of Famer. Right. Absolutely. Football, baseball, the whole nine yards. Bo Jackson absolutely would have been the top of that list. But he got injured. And so here is... How many great... How many greats... Yes. Are we... Yeah, are we going to say you were amazing, you had all this potential, you were great, but you got injured? So he, right? Whether it's an MLB pitcher or a quarterback or um, a tennis player... Right, you could have been the greatest, but this is how the cards fell. So here's you why it. your argument of Dion might be the greatest person in sports, why it's, it's wearing on me, mm-hmm. uh, gaining traction, is yeah. because now you have the fact that he was a, a, a one of the ba- best of all times in, in football. I mean, as a cornerback, he right. might have been the best yep. ever. So that puts him mm-hmm. way up at the top. Yep. And then he was a star. Right. He wasn't an all-star, but he was a star in baseball. Nope. Star so you baseball got player. two sports at yep. the highest level. And now you're going to add on top right. of that a potential incredible coaching career. And let's face it, he's right. going to have an incredible coaching career. It's not too early to say that. I mm-hmm. think he is going to be an amazing coach wherever he goes. Uh, and so I think if you add right. on now the fact that he might be at the top of his game at coaching, wow. I don't know mm-hmm. who else tops that. Right. It- I mean, there's been great player coaches, right? John Madden, right? Great player, great coach, but one sport. Yeah. Right? You got Pete Rose, player, right? manager, just in baseball. Right. And Mike a little bit Dicka, of game I'm thinking of. But 
Mike Ditka, right? Steve Kerr. There you go. Great basketball player. Great basketball coach. Bill Walton, right? Like, great basketball player. Great basketball coach. You're not seeing this crossover, though. Because I would put dollars to donuts that Deion Sanders could then turn and coach Colorado's baseball team to a national championship. <laughs> okay. If like, that happened, I would, wow. <laughs> right? I would, put, I would put all the money in my pockets on that idea that Deion Sanders could turn around and do that. There's, there's, a, there's a thing, you know, you can teach the law. You can teach medicine. You can teach someone how to understand how football is played. But you can't teach that connection, that ability to have drive, that, mot- that, that, that ability to motivate people. You can't teach he that. He is amazing. And Dion has that in spades. And, and, and he's an incredible football tactician. And you're right. I mean, his strategy, the game plan from last week was amazing. And again, mm-hmm. I, just, I go back to right. all new players, basically. A brand new team. Right. Only six Transfer penalties. I, I would just love it right. if my Cornhuskers could match that. When it comes to focus, all being on the same page, all, they all bought into the team concept. Now, I, right. I, I, I hate to end on a down note on this primetime you know, story uh, mm-hmm. element here because I know you're so excited yeah. about him. But one talking head did say, speaking from Colorado's perspective, and probably one of the reasons why Nebraska right. didn't even bother going for Coach Prime, and that is this. That whoever gets Coach Prime, it's going to be a lose-lose situation. And here's what he meant by that, because he explained him. Look, either Coach Prime is a horrible coach, in which case you lost okay. for hiring him. You wasted your time. You, got, you brought in all this, this circus, and right, this money, you can't yeah. coach. It's a, you've lost. Or he is successful, he, in which case he's not staying in Colorado. You only have him for maybe a couple years and then he is gone. Will mm-hmm. he leave this program in shambles after just a couple of years and move on to bigger and better things? Cause let's face it. Coach prime is not stopping at the university of Colorado. I, I kind of want to push back on that talking head, not you <laughs> specifically. I think that coach prime is going to build Colorado and he's going to empower his coaches and his players to where he becomes inconsequential. There you go. And he builds it up like he did with Jackson and leaves it better than he found it and goes on to the next endeavor to build up, to build something up and they will flourish. And we have brought right? they'll have new donor bases, they'll have all of that stuff. And we have brought the Cinderella story to you here in real time. Yeah, that is a nice, you know, Hollywood Cinderella kind of ending. I, I no. It's going to be a disaster. Yeah. He's going to leave in shambles. It's going to be <laughs> Gonna be and he's going to take every single player with him. Fox. Colorado will have no one left playing there. Uh, then he'll take his, uh, his assistant uh-huh. coaches and we'll move on to the NFL within three years. Uh, but you know what? I, I Ooh, hope not. Good prediction. I, good good oh, prediction. You know he will be. He, is, he's played, he played in the NFL for 16 Eventually. years. He is not staying right. in Colorado but, past his son. Okay. So then let's, let's, let's pan this out. What team? What does he take over for Pittsburgh Steelers? Nope. nope. Right, nope. Mike Tomlin. Nope. Do you think Mike Tomlin's gonna retire in three no, years? Stay around. I got. I got. Bill the, Belichick. I got the team for you. Nope. Give me. Give me. Give me. Give me. Give me. And if you say Kansas City, we're nope. oh, it, oh. Well, he was drafted by. He Atlanta. was. That's where he went and played in the Super Bowl in the, in the not Super Bowl, the World Series, right? right. Maybe the Super Bowl actually. Right. Right. He played for the Atlanta Braves and he played for the Atlanta Falcons when he first came out of before he got traded over to the Niners. Um. So. 
Yeah, I mean, I could see Atlanta. They're, they're going to probably need you know, a new coach yeah. in about three years. My guess is. I mean, I don't know. Right. I hope not. I mean, he could go to the Yankees tomorrow. The Yankees but, a new coach. No, maybe. Yeah, maybe Atlanta. That makes sense. All right. I could see that. Enough prime time. All we got right. so much to talk about here. Let's now move on to now the NFL time. NFL. And uh, we are running out of time here. So let me jump. I want to talk about the NFL holdouts, but I'm not going to do that because I'm hoping if we wait until yeah. next week, this will be a non-story. But if we mm-hmm. if it's not a non-story by next too. week, it's going to be a huge story. So let's put off the NFL holdouts Dang until enormous. next week. Let's talk instead about the Trey Lance trade because I know you're a big San Fran fan. <sighs> fan and uh, here's what happened san francisco 49ers uh i don't know what pick they had in the draft uh, a couple years ago but it was a high pick they traded three Mm -hmm. first round draft Mm -hmm. picks to move up to number three to take trey lance with a number three pick in that draft that was the same draft where Mac Jones went, I think, 15 or 16 uh, to um, the New England Patriots. That is the same draft where yep. Justin Fields went later on to the Chicago Bears. And so they could have had either one the of those uh, players. But instead, they traded yeah. up, traded three first-round draft picks to get their franchise quarterback, Trey Lance. Now, is Trey Lance a good quarterback? Is, could he live up? Here's a problem with that trade for so many different reasons. Uh you didn't know if Trey Lance was going to be a good quarterback. He only played one nope. season at North Dakota State. What, what about that does, does not give you indigestion? One season for North Dakota State, and you're going to trade three first-round draft picks to take him. That was met with a lot of skepticism. But people thought, okay, well, you know Still. what? The, the, no, people didn't think. No, people were like, "What the hay? <laughs> no, no, what the no. hay is wrong?" I get that, but the coach of the 49ers, whose name escapes me, but I know you're going to know his name. What is his name? Shanahan. Yeah, Shanahan. He, he. The thought is him and his dad. His dad was a great coach for the Denver Broncos, and then uh, yep. the thought Mike and Kyle. was that they know how to coach quarterbacks. These guys are good quarterback gurus, and so they see something in Trey Lance, which. None of us sees, and so he's probably going to be a, a generational talent because why else would you trade away three first-round draft picks to, to get Trey Lance? To Miami. Okay, fast forward three years. Uh, after some injuries, they trade him to the Dallas Cowboys, get this, for one fourth-round draft pick, and that was met with skepticism, like, why did you get so uh, much for him? The Dallas Cowboys got fleeced. Uh, so... Chris, is this a debacle? <laughs> well, they they kind of did, because Dallas has to pick up Trey's entire contract from the Niners. So we got yeah, we got a fourth round draft pick, but we got cap space because now we don't have to carry the note on Trey. Lance. Yeah, he's a rookie quarterback, rookie deal, not much on there. I, I'm trying here. I'm reaching really hard. I'm trying so hard. Right so now. I, there's so many it's different takeaways from this story, but here is why San Fran did it. So Chris, I'm going to make your case a little bit, and then I'm going to help you, you help you recover here. Because two years later, San Fran, in the very last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant yep. from Iowa State, yep. this is before the gambling days at Iowa State. My man. They draft, right. uh, is it Brock Purdy? I know his brother plays for, uh, is it Brock Purdy? Yeah, it's Brock, Brock Purdy from Queen Creek, Arizona. There you go. Uh, went to play for Arizona Hometown State, boy. right? And, uh, and so nope, they, uh, he played for Iowa. Iowa. He tried to play for Arizona State. Iowa State, though, right? No. Not Iowa. Iowa State. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's Iowa State. Oh, not Arizona State. Iowa State. Yes, Iowa State. I, I believe that's correct. Uh, and so he is picked as the last pick in the draft. And then we all know what happened last year. An amazing story. Trey Lance yep. gets injured. Uh, Garoppolo gets injured. And so then Brock Purdy just steals the <laughs> show. Is an amazing quarterback. Leads them all the way to the NFC Championship game where he gets injured. Mm-hmm. Comes back in and finishes the game with his arm severed. I mean, it was an amazing story. They, they lost that game. But hey, yeah. he's, he's got guts. Right. And so... Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy is going to be their starting quarterback. So they said, Trey Lance, we don't need you anymore. And they ship him off to Dallas. Chris, is this, should we view San Fran as being so stupid they made a horrible trade? Or should we look at this as saying, by saying, San Fran knows what they're talking about. They drafted Brock Purdy. He's a stud. And so... You can't have two stud young quarterbacks in the same team. That's just not going to be good for their future development. So let's get rid of the one, and we're going to keep the other. So I think it was stupid to draft Trey to begin with. A lot of quarterbacks in that draft class, right? Trevor um, Lawrence and Zach Wilson went before him, like you mentioned, Mac Jones. Um, And they could have picked him up further down the line. Trey Lance was not going to be number three. He was only number three because the 49ers picked him. And at the time, it was a dumb decision on the Niners' behalf. And I think if we – I want to say we started this podcast around that time, and that was my take back then too, was that it was a dumb decision to trade the future on a kid that played one year and then coached. Right. Um, I think it's a smart trade because, one, you know, Trey has a career ahead of him, and it would be – a disservice to him as a player for the Niners to keep him as a third string quarterback. Cause he wasn't even going to be QB two, right? He was going to be QB three. Right. Um, and so that, I think that was part of the hard conversations that you have to have with your players sometimes is like, look, you're, you're not fitting into our offense, but let me help you land. And now Trey is going to be tutored, hopefully under, you know, Prescott in Dallas. And, you know, Dak, not, not my favorite guy. I, I don't think he's a clutch quarterback. But I think that Dak has been carrying the Cowboys on his shoulders the entire time without any support. So this may be a way for him to, to mentor Trey so he has a longstanding career. And that's what I love most. At the end of the day, I want the Niners to win. It, I want the Niners to win. That's, I want them to win, and I want them to win Super Bowl. That's what I love most. But at the same time, I don't want bad – yeah, I don't want – players to have horrible careers just because they go to a rival team. That's what I love most about this trade, which it just dawned on me as you were, you were talking, who do you think is probably the 49ers biggest rival that you guys probably love to beat the most? Would, the yeah, Cowboys. Would, would every Cowboys. Time. So you traded yeah, every time. this guy who you guys have seen in practice for the last yeah. three years. You shipped him off mm-hmm. to your worst enemy. How come that hasn't got someone's attention yet? The fact that would they really deep, Oh my gosh, Steve Young was railing on that on a couple of the morning shows in the Bay Area this week. He's like, we never give players to Dallas. Do you think they would? We do not do Do you this. think they would give a great play? They've seen Trey Lance for the last three years right. in practice. They know what they have. Would they give a future right. Hall of Fame quarterback to the Dallas Cowboys? I think not. Here's what I think they did. They sowed seed of discord as if any seeds were needed to be sown. They're in the fertile right. land of Jerry World. And Jerry Jones is going to eat this up. What do I mean? Dak Prescott is going yeah. to have an 
so-so a hum-hum year this next couple years before his contract renewal, and he's going to demand extra money, and Jerry's going to say, why would I pay you all this extra money when I got the former number three pick in the draft there waiting in the wings? So right. this is going to create dissension, just like saying Fran was trying to avoid the dissension of two young quarterbacks, you know, fighting it out. You're not having a true leader. He now has sown that seed of discord there in Dallas. What a brilliant mm-hmm. move by San Fran. That is a talking point here. And I just, I just, it just dawned on me. Yeah. Oh no, we are, we are definitely molding the, like not that it ha- it's a difficult mold. NFC is not exactly the strongest conference right now. Right. Let's be honest. Like, Back in the 90s, the the AFC was the weak conference, right? And the NFC just dominated right. the 90s in the early aughts. Now the, the table, the pendulum has swung the other direction. And the AFC is now the, oh, the teams to watch and beat. And the NFC is just kind of, you know, that's how, a, what was it, a... Uh, 8-9 Tampa Bay made it to the playoffs last <laughs> yes. year because that's how bad the NFC was. Um, Chris, you just made so my day think, right there. You know why you just made my day? And this is a great why? way to end the, this week's podcast. By the way, we're not going to do our picks this week. We normally start the year off with doing our picks. Yeah. But last year, our picks were so horrendous. And I checked the record. And the year before, our picks were so horrendous on week one. So, so horrendous. the point is, we don't know what we're talking about on week one. We're going to watch the games and then make also our true. picks starting in week two and see if that makes our winning percentage yep. a little bit better. But. That being said, you just made my date. You just reminded me about this upcoming football season, who we are not going to see. Do you know what I'm talking about? Thomas Brady. Vaguely. Gone. There is no Tom Brady. So here, I I, I even hate to say this, but Chris, let's put the over-under here. And then we'll end our podcast with this. I'm going to put the over-under on eight weeks on when the national talking point will be Will Tom Brady come out of retirement to because such and such quarterback Ooh. got injured for such and such team? They need a new quarterback. Tom Brady's going to come out of retirement. That will be a headline on ESPN. I'm going to put the over under on eight weeks of you seeing that headline on ESPN. Under. Okay. Absolutely right. under. Absolutely under. Like he was at the Raiders preseason game with Garoppolo. And they were already talking about how he's there to coach Garoppolo as he was coming out of the tunnel. There you go. So I'm going under. All right. It's going to be under. As soon as the first quarterback is injured and there's not a true backup, Mm -hmm. you know that's going to be the storyline. For sure. All right. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, have a great week. And uh, remember this um, Saturday when primetime is playing Nebraska, it's GBR Go Big Red. Hey, have a great week. Go Big Red. All right. You too, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm-hmm.